Welcome to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and staff achieve peak economic and practice efficiency so there is time and energy to focus on patient care and a happy life. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-hosts, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. Today's episode is brought to you by ModMed. Do your EHR and PM adapt to your style of practice? The ModMed EHR and PM do, with benefits like remembering preferences and automatically suggesting documentation and billing codes. Urologists voted ModMed the number one urology-specific EHR and PM solution available, built by urologists with input from yours truly. Stop wasting 60 minutes and 200 for each of your open or no-show slot. Go to modmed.com slash prsnetwork. Set up an appointment with the team at ModMed Urology and shift your urology practice into high gear. Imagine a solution on a tablet or the web that works seamlessly with revenue cycle management, analytics, telehealth, payment processing, patient engagement tools, and much more. ModMed is transforming healthcare by placing doctors and patients at the center of care. Welcome to episode 156 of the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-host, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. And on today's episode, we're going to answer some questions that came into the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Group. That's a free group that you can join. You go to prsnetwork.com, and uh, you'll find instructions on how to do it. Also, there are instructions on the episode, a link on the episode page if you go to prsnetwork.com forward slash 156. It's free to join. You can ask questions and see what's been asked. We uh, did switch the for the format up recently, and so we are a bit behind on answering some of those questions, but we are answering them all and getting through them. So here are another three that came in, and uh, we'll get started with a question that came in about uh, – it was a, actually a comment and then a question about our podcast number 147 – um, with uh, the information on updated Eurocuff billing. And the question is, uh, the recent change from our MAC NGS was helpful as this went into effect June 1st, 2023, as they are now recommending billing the 55899 as opposed to 51728-52. And uh, I will uh, read the descriptions of those after I finish asking the question, incidentally. Okay. My specific, my question specifically relates to how to build Medicare Advantage plans. Do we follow the private payer rules that manage a plan or the MAC recommendation? For example, commercial payer A prefers the Eurocuff claim submitted as 51728-52. If the Medicare Advantage plan is administered through commercial payer A and we still have to follow their rules regarding prior authorization, utilization, uh, specialty pharmacy for Botox rather than buy and bill for traditional Medicare, et cetera, et cetera, it would seem that the Eurocuff in this case should be billed how we would bill the private payer using the 51728-52 versus the 55899. Any insight would be appreciated. All right, Mark, you got a couple things to tackle in that one. I do, but you were going to read the descriptions? Yep. So uh, 
we will start off with the 55899 and the 55899 is uh, the description is unlisted procedure male genital system okay and then the 51728 is the complex systematogram and in parentheses it says ie calibrated electronic equipment semicolon with voiding pressure studies and again parentheses uh, with an ie of a brad bladder avoiding pressure and then in parentheses and then it says uh, comma any technique so those are the two uh different codes and then also the modifier um for those of you who aren't uh, modifier that's the reduced services the 52 the dash 52 modifier is reduced services modifier okay there you go mark it's all yours all right thanks so all right so well, let's first go back to why 51728-52 um was a a method of billing or is a method of billing the euro cuff um with the exception now of two Medicare carriers who have published um, LCAs instructing uh, the use of 55899 instead of the 51728-52. So um, as Scott read, um, the complex uh, CMG um, with voiding pressure study um, is more than what the Eurocuff measures. The Eurocuff really focus the measurement focuses on the voiding pressure study and there is no code available for avoiding pressure study on its own so using the 52 says that we're only doing the voiding pressure study and that's that's really the indication there with that 51728-52 now when we pivot this to really focusing on ngs and the question at hand, um, you know, the Medicare requirements for a Medicare Advantage plan are only that the Medicare Advantage plan pay for and cover uh, at least those services that would be provided under traditional Medicare. So they can actually add services. Um, they can pay different rates um, relative to what Medicare pays, higher or low. Um, and everybody's seen that with their contracts. Um, so I would side with the questioner um, in that you would probably want to stick with the private payer methodology um, that you have been using in the past um, and what you would typically use for the commercial side. So in his case, we, if he's billing payer A, um, the 5172852 is what they've been using for commercial and for the Medicare Advantage plan. Um, so even though the LCA would say use the 55899 for traditional Medicare, I would stick with a 5172852 for that payer A uh, Medicare Advantage plan. Um, because again, they are not required to follow those things to the T just in the general spirit of making sure that it's covered. Now, if you got a denial um, for that service under the 51728-52, um, then I would start looking at them, 
then pivoting to the 55899. And I would also keep an eye on my commercial contracts as that may be a pivot that they make within their system for both their Medicare Advantage plans and their commercial plans. Um, They do tend to handle at least the coding part of those similarly. So you're going to have to keep an eye on things, but I would not pivot to the 55899 unless I started seeing some denials or receive specific instruction through my bulletin for the MAC to switch to the 55899. Um, And, you know, for those of you out of NGS, or Novitas, which are the two payers um, that have those uh, specific LCAs, um, then you're probably going to be looking at the 52852 for billing traditional Medicare, um, as well as your private sector payers, unless you've found that they're paying things differently. So um, I wish I could give you a hard and fast answer that says, Yep, this is the way it's going to work. But the reality is the Medicare Advantage plan has flexibility on how they're going to administer those, but they do have to cover the Eurocuff now. So if it was denied for being experimental, you could point back to the LCA to help uh, get coverage for the Eurocuff. Question for you. If you have a, a payer that doesn't have any guidance on billing the Eurocuff, which, how would you bill it? Which is your preference if there is absolutely no guidance out there? I think it would, for me, it would depend on where I was located and how my other payers were dealing things. Um, In the absence of another payer, um, so, so say if you're in an NGS area and then you've got no experience with a new payer, I might try the 55899 to see if it gets paid Um, just so I have the continuity within my practice. But if I was in the same boat as our questioner um, in this particular case, where essentially most of the payers are paying the 51728-52 and only Medicare has made the switch to the 55899, I would stick with the 51728-52. I mean, the, the reality is my recommendation is based on what makes it easiest from the office flow standpoint? You know, what what protocols and procedures can you set up in your office that make uh, your life as easy as possible? Um, but understanding that you do have to adapt to the rules that are out there. So I might try the 55899 if I was in a predominantly 55899 area. Otherwise, I would go with the 5172852 if I didn't know um, or if I um, hadn't billed it before, I'd look that way uh, unless I had instructions from a payer specifically to use the unlisted code. Ray, any comments? Uh, yeah, Mark, you mentioned uh, if you got a denial on the 5172852, you might look at going ahead with the uh, the unlisted but I think we probably ought to mention right here, you ought to pay attention to why you got the denial. Sometimes the denial is for a diagnosis code rather than the uh, the actual procedure itself. So uh, 
I, I would think we'd need to look at the reason for the denial first, and then uh, if you don't have a if you don't have a different reason, why then go with the unlisted? And and Mark, I guess the reason you're mentioning going with the uh, 51728-52 is some payers are not used to dealing with the the unlisted code. So it really is payer specific and EO and your denial reasons, correct? So yeah, so so you're right. You definitely want to look at your denial reasons. I do think though that most payers can handle unlisted codes. Um, the main reason to lean towards the 5172852 instead of the 55899 um, in absence of any other instructions is that the 55899 can cover so many different services that, you know, that's unlisted uh, procedure male genital. Um, the 51728 gives it a little bit better guidance um, to the payer as to what you're expecting to get paid because it has a value, because it is a specific code, as opposed to the 55899, which does not have a value because it covers so many different procedures. So that's that was the reason for my suggestion there. Very right. good. Okay, let's move on to the uh, next question. Uh, the next question is uh, is from Tammy, and Tammy said, "I am a new I am new to urology coding and Medicare rules." We have uh, had a couple of patients admitted to the hospital during a surgical global period. These admissions are not related to surgery, to the to the surgery. I coded the ENM code with a 24 modifier, but they were denied. Any help would be appreciated on how to get these claims to process. And I will say the uh, 24, for those of you who are unfamiliar with it, is the unrelated evaluation and management service by the same physician or other qualified healthcare professional during a post-operative period. All right. Okay. It's all yours. <laughs> all right. Um, so, you know, the, five, the 24 modifier unrelated to the surgery um, is a code that has uh, within the auto adjudication uh, section a list of diagnoses that are potentially related to the actual global uh, period and what needs to be covered. And because there is a broad potential out there for complications, so you know, we could take a, a TERP um, that's out there um, and and the admission would be done for something, let's just say they there was some type of infection um, that they got in that they got that still could be related to the TERP, but is not related from a diagnostic code standpoint. But at the same time, an infection could be seen as a complication so that list of diagnosis codes could be fairly long and not really directly tied only to the reason you did the procedure. So it does need a different diagnosis code, but it also does need to be um, clearly unrelated. 
and for that reason have to submit your documentation to demonstrate that it was clearly unrelated um, with some payers that will have a much broader denial swath, if you will, from the from the auto adjudication. Um, so my first step, not knowing exactly what's going on here, because Tammy's telling us that they are the admissions are not related to the surgery, would say run through the appeal process. Um, you've if your notes are clearly um, backing up that this was not related to the surgery because of a complication that now exists um, because the surgery was performed in some way, um, then that review, that appeal should get it paid. Um, but it doesn't typically re relate um, for some of those payers to a first-time payment. Ray, any comments? It's clear that uh, you know, a diagnosis of a problem unrelated to the surgery does not necessarily get you paid. So the first thing, you want to be sure that it is truly unrelated, that it was not in some way a complication. So if you do that, then appeal. All right. Okay, let's move on to the final question of, uh, of the day, of the episode. Uh, question is from Lisa, and Lisa says, if our urologists in the hospital setting perform a procedure, uh, for example, a ureteroscopy, and also they themselves administer the moderate sedation, are there additional CPT codes they can bill for? If so, what are those codes? The CPT book and the anesthesia guidelines seem to indicate that perhaps CPT codes 99151, 152, and 153 may be coded to show this. Thank you. And I can read those, uh, the descriptions of the 991512 and 3. 99151 is moderate sedation services provided by the same physician or other qualified healthcare professional performing the diagnostic or therapeutic service that supports sedation, requiring the presence of an independent trained observer to assist in the monitoring of the patient's level of consciousness and physiological status. Initial 15 minutes of inter-service time, patient younger than the five year, younger than five years of age. And the 99152 is same description, but uh, patient age five years or older. And the final, the 99153 is each additional 15 minutes of inter-service time. Um, that then says list separately in addition to the code for the primary service. Okay. What, what can she do here? So Medicare does allow um, for the billing of the 99151 and the 152 in a facility setting. Um, they do not allow for billing of the 99153 in a facility setting. Um, in a non-facility setting, 
all three codes are active and um, valued and payable by Medicare. Um, now, there are a couple of things that need to be met in order for that to be reported. Um, first of all, it is moderate sedation. So it is conscious sedation. The patient is still interactive, um, but it is systemic in that moderation, in that, in that sedation. So you've got to be providing the right type of, of anesthesia to the patient. Um, second, um, the requirements are that the physician has to be present and the documentation needs to support that the physician was present from the administration of the drug until the patient um, is uh, out of the influence of the drug. So they're wheeled into recovery. So the, the physician needs to be present for the entire time. And that documentation needs to support that. And then, of course, you've got the initial 15 minutes of inter-service time, um, which is billable in the facility setting. So you do want to put the amount of time that the patient was under sedation being monitored by the physician. So the total time the physician spent um, doing the monitoring, including the introduction of the drug uh, until the patient is brought out from under the moderate sedation, um, and the presence of an, an, an of an independent observer who is trained to monitor the patient's level of consciousness and physiologic status. So all that needs to be documented. Now it can be in the procedural note, but it needs to be clearly documented within that note um, that all of those conditions were met. Um, and so that 99152 would be appropriate, it sounds like, for the for Lisa's question. The 99153 won't be covered um, because it doesn't have any work value. Um, and then, of course, you should know as well that this is not a, uh, a, a code that's going to um, uh, allow you to retire or cut back on your workload. Um, as the 99152 in the facility setting uh, pays $12.54. Um, but it is in addition to the surgery, um, and it does not affect the value of payment for the surgery. So it's not like it's a multiple procedure reduction um, as well. So there is a pathway for that, but do make sure your documentation is appropriate um, to support the service when it's charged. Ray, comments? Now, just be sure you fulfill all the requirements in the, as mentioned in the CPT code and everything is well documented. All right. Okay, I don't have any questions, so uh, let's wrap this episode up here. Mark, final thoughts for today's uh, episode. I guess the final thoughts on all this stuff is, is you want to watch you know, as we've always said, watch your payers. Um, understand that the rule book by payer is the rule book for that payer. Um, so I, I think it's really important to keep an eye and keep tabs on those things. Keep your procedures and policies up to date within your office. And very importantly, with all of these issues, um, 
including the the coating, but also for the sedation and for the uh, the the modifier 24s. It's important to close the loop um, and make sure that the clinical staff understands what the the revenue cycle management or the billing and the reimbursement staff is encountering so you can better help uh, get paid for all the services that you've done. Ray, thoughts? Well, I think you need to keep in mind that it's important to pay attention not only to the fact there was a denial, but the reason for that denial. Uh, those EOBs uh, send a message from whatever payer you're getting, and and you do have to be payer specific, including the the Medicare Advantage. They are, uh, in, in essence, private at this point, rather than Medicare patients. All right. Well said. Okay. Let's wrap this uh, episode up. I will uh, remind you that your, the Urology Advanced Coding and Reimbursement Seminar uh, registration is open, and we do have the special early bird pricing, which ends on August 18th for Las Vegas. So we do encourage you to get signed up and come come see us in Las Vegas. There is also a seminar in New Orleans. The Las Vegas seminar is in December, and the La and the New Orleans seminar is in January of 2024. So, with that, if you can go to prsnetwork.com forward slash 156 to uh, find a link and uh, how to register for that. And also, we would like to thank ModMed for their support of this episode. You can go to modmed.com forward slash prsnetwork for specials for our uh, listening audience. So we do encourage you to go check that out. That's all we got. Take us out, Ray. Happy coding. Thank you for listening to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and their staff maximize income and efficiencies so there's time and energy for patient care and a happy life. Special thanks to Carl Painter for the music today. You can find his music on Spotify under his record label, The Juice Room.